0: And Lucy, who own Ottawaine, uh, which is a footwear company, all handmade, and you also have a shop in central Bristol. Can you tell me how Ottawaine first came about? Hello. Hi. Um, yeah,
1: Ottowin first came about, I think, when me and Lucy met each other, we had a real, it was like a natural progression for us to start making things.
2: Met each other at work. So that's how it started. That's we, how we both started had, working together. <laughs> yeah, we both had
1: um not very enjoyable retail jobs at the same yeah. place in in like a like a fashion retailer. And I think yeah, I don't know, we just met and really liked making stuff together. <laughs> well, we yeah.
2: went uh we were organizing a cycle uh tour in Europe and we wanted to make our own pannier bags and that's how it kind of started. With us making stuff together. And um, I'm already footwear, tra- I'm trained in footwear and worked in the footwear industry for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah about 10, 10 years. years. Um, in different aspects of the industry. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it started. We started making pannier bags and then.
1: We yeah, well, we started making pannier bags so we could go away. And then as we were away cycling, we were imagining starting a brand making bags and we got back and I, I had to go back to work and you were left I in never the studio. Went back to work. You never <laughs> went back to work. And you are <laughs> in the studio trying to make bags. And then we realised why are we trying to make bags? When you're footwear trained. Yeah. <laughs> and you've already got years of designing footwear. And you know, you made your first collection when you were at college, when you were like seventeen. Yeah. I mean it was bad.
2: It was really bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see what how you started out because everything oh that was so lovely. bad. <laughs> it's, yeah. What was it? It was like gold and camo.
2: Gold and turquoise and camouflage.
1: <laughs> was I it?
2: was really into streetwear. It was like
1: <laughs> it's like some badly made Missy, Missy Elliott, Elliott shoes.
2: I loved Missy. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: mean,
2: I still love Missy Elliott. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, I understand that you had, um, you worked in the fashion industry already, yeah, and you sort of had enough of it and wanted to, were disenfranchised with the sort of fast fashion industry, yeah. Does it feel very different now that you're working in the same, making the same product, but for a tiny company instead of a massive industry?
2: It is very different. We also, we do, we do still have to work seasonally because footwear is a seasonal product. Um, we do like we make styles and we continue them for as long as we can because we have a sh- small amount of leather so we can only make things for a certain amount of time and then we change the colour um,
1: but I think the styles are, do have longevity we are designing things that will that will last that will stand the test of time and people will want to wear them like now they want to wear them in five years after some resoling, they'll still be wearing them in ten years and our colours change because, we, because we're because we using industry waste. So often we only get like one or two hides of a certain colour, which means, you know, we can only make 20 to 25 pairs in that colour and then it's yeah. run out. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. That like last summer, we had this yellow colour that was, everyone was loving it. People were buying it. We made like, I don't know, maybe like over over 20 pairs of that colour. And then we ran out and it was... And you can't get hold of that. And we, can't, we can't get it again. Oh. So it's great that we get to use industry waste in sort of like reducing waste in the industry. But also, you know, we would run out of colour and it was our best yeah. seller and we can't get it again.
0: That's a shame.
1: Yeah. and It's kind of also, it pushes us to find
0: new stuff and to experiment. And in some ways that that adds a layer to what we're doing. So a lot of what you make is quite influenced by what your customers come in and ask for. Mm -hmm. You don't just sort of deliver the products and then...
2: No, we don't really pay much attention to (laughs) No, we don't really.
0: (laughs) I think we
1: we make what we want to make. Yeah. It's like...
2: But also we do look at what has sold, because you'd be silly not to look at what has sold in the past. Um, But we also do what we want, really, don't we? We
1: try not to give the customers too many options.
2: Yeah, because they get a bit overwhelmed.
1: Hmm. We did that once, didn't we? We did start off offering people. We had like a whole swatch of our leathers, and we were saying, "Oh, you can pick them." and And people came up with some really horrible color choices. Wild.
2: So,
1: I and mean, you just hated so, so, sitting there. Well, you and it's like we we, yeah, we, yeah, just we don't only want to make wanna, them. We yeah. only want to make what what we love. Yeah. What we love doing. And also, so we're we trying, to, <laughs> so which, We doing that.
2: We're kind of we're trying to create a brand as well. It's not just a product. So. I mean, there's shoemakers that make what you want them to make, yeah. but we're trying to create a whole look, like a whole story of what we're doing, um, and a whole image, I suppose, like not so much just the product, it's kind of like the whole feel of the brand and...
1: No, it's a big part of us, like yeah. we are putting ourselves into what we do, so it's, I mean, obviously we're making these, it's a product, it's for the customer, and they They get what they want, but I think in some ways they are let, they're buying into our vision, yeah, a little bit really? That's and I guess that's the same that's with with all brands like that yeah. you buy into that because you believe in it or because lots of other people believe in it and you want to be part of the part of the team yeah yeah we spend we spend you know a reasonable amount of time designing stuff and sort of like putting together colors and trying to create a create like a solid
0: collection you talk about trying to create a image and like a full brand experience do you with your shop you've got loads of other brands in there do they are they people who are doing the same thing as you and you're just putting yourself in line with them or did it do you feel that those works fit your brand
2: yeah so basically the way we've made the Otterin shop is through kind of like creating our brand it, it's like an extension of that in a way it's like obviously bringing other people in, but they're all brands that sit alongside each other. I think anyway, I think they all look good together and like the customer is similar as well. So all the different brands will have like a similar type of customer, but they might have their own following. So everyone's kind of supporting each other in bringing in more customers. Sometimes the hardest thing about running small brands is selling your product or finding a platform to sell your product. So it's kind of like if we're all in it together, mm-hmm. it's easier for all of us in a way, isn't
1: it? Yeah, they're all they're all like friends. They're all people that we've met over the years of the running Otto and doing what we do.
0: Cause you've got the like printed goods guys and Millie's in there. And it's all
2: yeah, it's actually just people like, who
0: work really close to you. Once and stuff, you're yeah. in
2: that kind of like makers communities. Turns into quite a small little world that's quite sweet, it really. like mm-hmm. we we travel around like we go down to Cornwall and we meet up with like other makers down there um, and like up in London, we've got quite a lot of friends that have got brands, and it's just it's just really amazing to have those kind of people as support as a support network as well. like I don't think we would have ever
1: well, I guess in some way, the shop was a support network, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like a lot of the brand we started doing pop up shops with like a core group of the brands that we have in the shop, and then through them have met more people and we're kind of just expanding that network and I think being able to create a platform for other small makers is really important to us
2: it is kind of a movement as well because all the products that we have in the shop are um sustainably made mm-hmm. and all have like an, have some sort of story that is surrounding that kind of thing so it's quite important for us to be like creating a space to shop in that's like completely different from anything else because all the brands are quite small as well so we're not a lot of us can't wholesale our products Mm -hmm. because we just don't have the margins to do it because things are made by hand or made in england we just don't have those margins, so we don't we don't really take a big percentage of people. We don't make money off of other people's stuff. It's just to pay the rent pretty much, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it just about keeps itself going. Yeah. So it's all like friends <laughs> helping each other out kind of thing, rather than a... Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely, cool. like, in that regard,
1: it is a collective space. It's not like we're some sort of, like, overlords of the shop the profit off of the small brands we are very much
2: I think it will have to change at some point we'll it will have to s- start making a bit more money yeah. but <laughs> I mean at the moment it's like it's ticking along and you know it's it's good isn't it
0: You also do shoemaking classes we do yeah, yeah. sort of the sandal making
1: courses in the shop and then we've got some slightly more like technical courses in shoemaking and bootmaking which we do here at our, at our studio
2: um, and we do sometimes travel around and do stuff as yeah, well yeah last
1: summer cool. we overstretched ourselves <laughs> yeah. we yeah. like went to cornwall to do courses devon yeah. london and, and bristol and it was very much it was, it was like in our in the height of our like busiest making time through the summer, where we where we have the most amount of orders, and also pretty much every other weekend, we were sort of travelling around, running courses. So this year we're not doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we are we are going to London again to do some courses. Um, it just seemed like it was a lot of a long way to go down to Cornwall. But yeah. it yeah. was really fun. It was such a good course down in Penryn. They were some of the best makers we've had.
2: Um. But yeah, t- teaching the courses are really we get to meet lots of people we just recently had a boot making course with one guy who yeah it was just such a great experience just to teach one person and like to really teach them someone that really is like super interested and wants to actually be a shoemaker as well i hadn't actually taught someone like that yet so that was really that was really really good
1: yeah, I guess the one-on-one is kind of ins- it's more fulfilling I guess you get yeah. to, you get to spend more time with that person whereas often normally we're in in a class of like five five to eight students so you obviously your, your time is spread out amongst more people so you okay. get to know them less and it's over a weekend whereas this was a five day long one-on-one boot making course so wow. it's like yeah. really got stuck into it and yet Sheridan was really happy with what he made yeah, that was and ridiculous. we were really happy with what he made. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, recently we had uh, we had a guy called James on one of our shoemaking courses, and it, like two days after he after he left the course, we got an email from him saying that, that our shoes had, sa- had saved his life. He's like <laughs> he, he just like lives in a warehouse in Hackney, and he'd like fallen like 13, 14 foot off his mezzanine, and managed to like get his feet underneath him as he was falling and like landed on the shoes and he was like the shoes like are fine they survive perfectly and when he went to the doctors he said it was probably the like cushioned soles for the only reason that he didn't fracture like two or three vertebrae what a great testimonial <laughs> that's so good so yeah I was like uh, yeah we need to get him to write that one down we we'll put it on the website yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be
0: speaking with you again from time to time with my do you see for like the future of Ottowin as a as a brand? Oh,
2: this is um, recently we've been talking a lot about future, haven't
1: we? Yeah, I mean, five year plan.
2: We haven't done we haven't done five year plan.
1: I mean, I've five done days. a five year plan. Have you? I don't know. Yeah, come <laughs> on, I'm constantly doing a five year plan.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was I suppose for me ideally we're going to be building a studio a new studio that's going to be like the ultimate studio designed for what we do so that's really really exciting um it's going to be a lot bigger and after we've done that i'd really like to have really like to take on an apprentice um and really put some time into that we'd like to teach someone else and
1: i think being able to offer like a creative hands-on job yeah something because, I mean, we find it so fulfilling, like going from a just sort of like a 2D material, like an idea, 2D material, then to create a 3D functional object, which people can use, you know, for the foreseeable for like, you know, for years to come. There is something really fulfilling about that. And I, obviously the industry in the UK is being has been stripped away for the past like 30 years. And there isn't many sort of jobs that necessarily like making have, jobs. Yeah, there's I mean, because there's so many creatives, especially here in Bristol. There's loads of creatives here.
2: And there's not many. There's not really many industries like, even if you want to make clothes or, you know, so many of these kind of making jobs, people still want those jobs, but there isn't.
1: Well, I think so the 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 want for those jobs is actually is coming back. I think people are really appreciating the skills and, like, hand skills, like ceramics mm. and, like, tailoring and, like, seamstress and, like, upholstery. Like, I think people are really coming back to those kind of crafts. And, yeah, we'd love to be able to offer offer a space for people to come and join us. Mm.
2: So, yeah, that would be one way of being able to, like, increase the amount of... Because we can only make so many. So you can only... With two of us, you can only make so many pairs of shoes to sell. So you're just never going to get past that kind of boundary of like how many you can actually make. Um, so yeah, we need. Last like
1: summer, we pretty much hit that boundary. Didn't yeah, we, we hit. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was we like really peak, it. peak, peak production. Like I the house House of Ottoin. I think it's you know, let go bigger than just the Ottoin shop. Yeah, I want to make furniture, perfume, everything. I think I see myself as just like a designer and and a maker, yeah. and not necessarily just shoes. Because you I, studied like fine art, didn't yeah, I studied fine so. art and did quite a lot of sculpture. A lot of my sculpture was based around the idea of failure, so maybe that's not such a no, that's such a so promising I, mean, I don't know if that was just because when I was at uni, at uni I was quite lazy and that, it was easier to do that <laughs> so no no that, that piece is meant to fail okay. <laughs> um, but yeah I feel like I have lots of ideas for stuff that's, that's not just footwear mm. and I would love to make them mm. and it's like getting to a point where we free up some time to explore other avenues and these are all things that are still sort of like follow along the same line. It's like still part of like slow fashion, mindful living. And, but just, yeah, creating, creating other products that that we really passionately believe in. We're now at cruising altitude, 35,000 feet. 35,000
2: feet. We love designing spaces. And I feel like we would like to go on and do more of that kind of thing. And I suppose our next big project is uh, building the studio. That's Have you designed al- it yourselves?
1: Uh, yeah. And yeah, along the, with our I friend mean, Leandros, who's an architect.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be changed a little bit. I th- think. I um, Yeah, it's going to be quite a big project. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's it's going to be like big. 30 square meters. Yeah. What's it? Wait, are you, are you um, building? a building yeah. from scratch. Isn't yeah. it Build, building fitting a studio into yeah, it? We're we're building like, building we are that. building a building. Oh wow. Yeah. Really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
2: we just built our little studio and that's kind of a little stopgap And um yeah we're kind of planning
1: yeah, that was for the
2: building what,
1: now. Our stop gap. once we once the Loft sixty shut down. So that was the space the I guess like the hotbed, back to like how did Otto win begin. It was through that studio. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't have been able to create it without that space, I think.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think we would have.
1: It was, um, so, like, after uni, after I left, me and me and some friends started up our own art studio. I guess need, none of us wanted to leave uni. It was, <laughs> like... <laughs> it was a way for us to continue... Continue all sort of, like, having a shared space together. And that grew into something, and we ran it for five years. It was, like, a non-for-profit art space and studios and by the end of it we were renting out space to probably like 25 different artists oh wow and that was um down down near the center of town like just off of old market um it was that was like a about 300 square foot, like 300 square meters so like three thousand square foot um then yeah we kind of we were like living there creating there. Yeah, it was great. it, it was helped us
2: start it up because I don't think we would have if we didn't have those creative people around us and the support, and um, also like making our lifestyle as cheap as possible. To kind of start something like this, you need to, if you don't have funding, you need to self fund it. So it's to make your living costs very cheap is the best way to do it, I suppose. Yeah, Definitely um, really helped us. And yeah, just being around lots of different creative people that you know when you think you can't do something someone will just be like why why haven't you tried this and you'll be like nah that won't work and you'll try it and it you know it's just something that you wouldn't have ever thought of before and yeah it's really good
0: yeah
1: i mean that's yeah the thing we're having lots of people doing different disciplines like lots of creative minds yeah it just Mm -hmm. it does sort of like take you down different routes and yeah points out things that you might have missed and just like that, creative problem solving, and also again that uh, goes back to creating a space. I think we both really enjoyed, yeah. enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, like some of my biggest influences, I think, is like Max Lamb, and and like the Two Goods, and they they're like people that create products and also spaces. Like Max Lamb, I think he did the like APC flagship store, hmm. or maybe it was the Acme Studios. But yeah, it's like creating these beautiful shop spaces, but also, yeah, he also does like furniture and like smaller products. And the same with like Faye Too Good. like She creates, I think she's done the like Carhartt store, like their flagship store, and they're just like beautiful, beautiful shops. And yeah, I don't know, that really interests me, like creating really beautiful spaces for people to be in and also to create them as a platform for other like-minded
0: makers and artisans our flying speed is 575 miles per hour 75 miles per hour so you've obviously got a very clear idea of what an auto sort of product or space looks like and I was just wondering if you could ban something from everyone's wardrobe or as you've now been speaking about design from anyone's house what would that be? flip flops flip flops yeah. I mean Yeah. Not much hesitation there. <laughs> was the, yeah. <laughs> that was straight, yeah, yeah. Come no, on,
2: they're tell just, me more. They're, well flip flops they are just like you just you know when you're like walk down at the beach, you know when you're just like by a river or you just see a shoe and it's normally a flip flop.
1: Do you mean a discarded
2: flip flop because it's broken. They oh. on one side of things like they're great kind of like footwear that, you know, can be I mean, no, they're not. They're just terrible. They're just horrible. <laughs> they're, they're, they're too disposable. Anyway, I'll say flip-flop. Okay. I just think that you just see them discarded everywhere.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. And people
2: are just like, oh, I'll just buy a pair of flip-flops. And then what, pair <laughs> them like once? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you hear people say that,
1: don't you? I, I don't. I don't <laughs> hang around in flip-flop shops, so.
2: though. <laughs> Why? <laughs>
1: um... Yeah, what would what I about? I mean, ab- about that, um, the idea of, yeah, like plastic being a very valuable material, like wooden toothbrushes, ban them. Why? can't say that. Yeah, why not? Like, <laughs> Out of that's everything, that's pretty controversial that's, at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's a bit... Yeah. <laughs> but think about, like, the process. There's still, like, a whole manufacturing process that goes into making that wooden toothbrush, which, like... I've seen them in, in bathrooms and the handles are kind of like going a bit mank and mouldy and people throw them away like I've had the same plastic toothbrush maybe like three or four times longer than someone with a wooden toothbrush
2: I don't know if I'd choose that as like the one thing I would like <laughs> to take
1: away from No, I'm saying like the, the the problem with the toothbrush is, is the bristles, it's not the handle so, so you've
2: so just gone and done exactly what um, the people that are buying these toothbrushes are doing because they're fixating on this one foot small product that isn't a bad thing, but you're fixating on it now. To, yeah. Well,
1: I'm know. just saying plastic handle, maybe like pig bristle brush bits. <laughs> pig bristle. And are like refillable caps on top. Yeah. I so that like, you could be issued at birth with like one toothbrush that you could have for the rest of your life. That plastic handle isn't going to decompose. That's like, you know, how many wooden toothbrushes would you have over a lifetime?
0: I don't know. I think there's something in that. Yeah. I mean, there is yeah. something
2: in that, but if you were going to choose one thing... Okay, that's <laughs> the just first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> it's just, I think that wouldn't be just... the thing I would choose.
1: Well, you chose flip-flops.
2: Yeah, but I... <laughs> <laughs> you see them everywhere.
1: I've seen wooden toothbrushes everywhere these days as well. And I'm just saying, let's think about the bristles. <laughs> to have
0: you with us again soon thank you how do people find Otter?
1: in, in like like physically how do they find us well, and online and yeah, online yeah, yeah. yeah okay Um, I think our, our Instagram that's how we sort of you know draw people in online draw them in it's not that sinister yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and we've got a website and um, we've got a shop in Bristol we City need more A
1: boards though for the shop we're on 34 St. Nicholas Street come find us (laughs) cool next to Mr. Wolves
0: um yeah alright thanks a lot for talking to me guys thank you thank you Alex alright yeah it's been a pleasure
1: much higher and